You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning, church. Welcome to church. Uh, Happy Sunday morning. Great to be together. Great to worship God. And uh, we now approach going into our time for doing some Bible study. And we're going to do a series here. It'll be a total of three weeks long. And we're going to do some studying. The first part of it is the light and easy yoke of Jesus. The second part is going to be, actually the second two parts are going to be on the Sabbath teaching. And it's really just an effort to study and, and learn from God about how we live our lives and how we do our Christianity, how we live out our faith. Um, we've, we, we've been focusing on the spirit and learning to be spiritual people and growing spiritually all year. And this will be another, uh, just a brick in the wall, so to speak, of building our spirituality, building up our spiritual well-being. And I think this is a great study. I think you'll be encouraged. I was encouraged, you know, just studying and preparing. And I've, I've been reading uh, a number of books and doing Bible studies and, and praying and meditating a lot about these things. Because I'm as I myself, I'm growing and learning in uh, how we do this life, you know, as disciples, and especially in the world that we're living in right now, which is uh, pretty intense on on all fronts. And so I think for a lot of us, our faith is being tested, our levels of comfort and peace, our levels of anxiety and stress are all being tested right now. So these studies, I think, prayerfully will help us. So our scriptures, the title is Light and Easy Yoke. And our scripture today is going to be Matthew eleven, twenty-eight through 30, a classic, classic teaching of Jesus, uh, mentioned many times uh, in, in sermons I've done, but uh, this is the first time we actually do a study on it, and we're going to break it down and look at it and dive in. So please, uh, uh, let's, let's turn off anything else we got going. Let's focus on the Word of God. Let's focus our hearts and minds. If you're sitting on your couch or in your chair or, or on your computer or your TV, let's just get whatever you're going to get, and let's sit down and focus on the Word of God now. So Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Here we go. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love this scripture and and I love this teaching for, for many, many, many reasons. And I'll bet you do too. I think for a lot of people, this is a very special scripture. And whenever we hear it, our hearts are a little bit encouraged, a little bit strengthened. The fact that we can turn to Jesus. Obviously, him teaching this implies that we're all carrying some level of burden and some level of weariness. I think with the last couple of years, with the pandemic, and all the things that have come up from racial justice to war in the Ukraine to, you know, the housing market crashing to, I mean, all the stuff that we're dealing with in life right now, you know, that, that's just constantly adding stress and worry and anxiety. I think this scripture particularly is important, but obviously this is a teaching that is good for our whole lives, not just in times of crisis, but especially becomes important in times of crisis. The fact is, and this is just a well-documented fact at this point, 
The whole world is tired, stressed, anxious, and worried at different levels and to different degrees because of all that's going on. And there's this underlying feeling of fatigue, of stress, of anxiety, of worry in our world. And I think it happens to us even spiritually. We feel it. We feel the weight of it. And, and I think, you know, there's, there's still a lot of people who are disconnected spiritually. And I think they're tired, they're stressed, they're anxious and worried. They're not seeing the importance of connecting. Hopefully that's not you. If it's you, please consider this, that, you know, these, these things that are weighing us down in the world are very real and they're not made up and they're not some preach. This is not some preacher talk or or some argument to to make us do something it's really acknowledging the fact that this is what's happening in our world and the levels of stress the levels of anxiety the levels of worry are skyrocketing and there's all kinds of professional fields that are really seeing it from marriage counseling to psychologists therapists uh to ministry people churches all seeing the effects of this increase uh, and, and problems in the world, problems in life, fear of health issues, fear of social issues, fear of what's happening in the future, what's happening in the world. It's affecting everybody. It's from ministers to the average person in the church right now. And equally so, people not going to church and even more so. And we're seeing a lot of this affect teens and young people and senior citizens and everybody in between but it's a real problem it's a real thing and the beauty of the scripture the beauty of god is god is a god of solutions god is a god of 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 remedy and healing and freedom and righteousness and justice this is what god brings into the picture and we as christians should be the best at grabbing a hold of these things and getting help for ourselves and be able to, being able to offer this help to others. But the truth is, one of the things that I have found is that a lot of Christians don't have a good understanding of God. They don't, they struggle honestly with a bad theology that they see God as an angry God, just pointing out your sin, pointing out your weaknesses, pointing out your faults, pointing out your struggles, and a God who's always angry. I do this. I've done this little test or little little exercise in a number of groups and classes, and I tell them, when I say the following word, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? And the word is God. And then I ask people, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? And sometimes it's love and mercy and kindness, but oftentimes there's fear. There's a little stress, there's a little guilt, there's a little shame, there's a little there's a little bit of worry. And even when I put it in another way, and I'll ask people, if I told you that out in the parking lot right now, God is waiting to talk to you, what's the first thing you fear? Feel. First thing you feel. And a lot of people, most people say fear. Oh no. Uh-oh. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I'm not doing this. I'm not living up to that. And 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 here's the thing is that this is not the relationship God wants with us. 
God wants us to feel confident in his love, in his mercy, in his kindness. This is the relationship God wants with us. And and because of that, because a lot of people have a bad theology, a bad understanding of God, they're not getting help from God. And 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 some of us, some of us listening right now, we have such a negative view of God. He's the last one we turn to when we're struggling or when we're worried or when we're stressed or when we're tired because we're guilt-ridden. We're carrying around all this guilt and we feel bad about this and we feel bad about that and we feel bad about things. And then we go to a Sunday and the preacher, me or whoever, challenges us about something. We feel bad about it. And that's not at all what God wants. I mean, we need to be able to hear our faults and see what we do wrong, change it and move on, but not walk around feeling bad, not walk around feeling guilty. That only happens if you really have a good theology, a healthy, truthful theology, theology based on the truth, the truth of who God is. He is the Father, the Abba. Jesus has gave us the relationship to be able to call him Abba, which is Dad. I've shared about that in the past, that how incredibly important that title is to be able to have that kind of a connection with God so that when you do mess up, when we do fall into sin, when we do blow it, and we will, and we do regularly, we can turn to him and get help to change, to repent, to shove, to, to, to get back on track and do better, not walk around feeling guilty and avoiding him or avoiding Christians or avoiding church or walk around feeling with this constant guilt. And a lot of us carry it. Some of us worse than others. Now, there's a few of us that are more deceived by nature. And we think, well, of course God loves being. Of course God's going to accept me. And maybe sometimes we need to become more in touch with our sin and our faults and our weaknesses and our need for God. But a lot of us carry around way too much guilt. Way more guilt than what God wants us to carry around. He wants us to be able to see what we need to change. See our sin and change and move on. Because he loves us. Just like, think of if, if you have a child that's four or five years old, a nephew, a niece, a, a, a friend, a neighbor, whatever, and that child messes up, you're not just going to be mad at them for the rest of their life. You, you, you want them to fix or change or do whatever, get it right, so you can keep loving them and helping them, and you're not going to reject them for it either, which is how God is. But I think that, that a lot of us have bad theology. The other problem that a lot of us have that why God isn't able to help us with all this worry, stress, and anxiety is a lot of us just simply have a bad connection. You know, we just, we have a bad connection. Um, I, I have this thing where I keep, I've tried like three or four uh, Wi-Fi extenders in, a, in our house and none of them have worked so far because I can't you do Zoom meetings in my office because the connection is so bad. I can I get on that people are freezing all the time in the Zoom calls and and dropping the Zoom connection all I can't host a meeting there so I have to go somewhere where there's a good connection and a good connection enables me to have a good connection with people enables me to have a conversation enables me to either give help or receive help from somebody and to have a great relationship I think a lot of us have a bad connection with God. There's too many people in the church even with bad connections with God. 15-minute prayer or even worse, a five-minute prayer on the way to work, and that's it. That's their relationship with God. Maybe a scripture, maybe a book, but just not the level of connection we need. We need to continue to grow in our connect connectivity to God 
And so that we can get the help we need. So that we, Jesus said he came to set the captives free. Are we being set free? Or are we being captives of our temptations or our worries or our fears? He, but you gotta have a good connection for that. He came to, to, to empower our lives with the Holy Spirit. But if we don't have a good connection with the Holy Spirit, we're not able to change. And then we think in the back of our minds, well, this stuff doesn't really work. You know, it's just, it's, I mean, it sounds good and it helps my heart, but it doesn't really work. Actually, it does if you have the proper connection. And we, and that's what a lot of what the, the sermons, the lessons, the focus this year on spirituality is to be well connected, right? Jesus said, apart from me, when he talked about the vine and the fruit and apart from me, you can do nothing. But if we are connected well, we will bear fruit. Our lives will be full of fruit and it'll be awesome. And we'll have the benefits of being set free, of knowing the truth, of, of, of being healed and being strengthened, being empowered and having the life that we live. So, so these are the things that mess us up, right? That stop us from and, and, and make us prisoners to worry, stress, anxiety, fear, all those things. So we go back to Matthew 11, back to our scripture this week. So we we got to get into it. We got to figure out, okay, what does he mean by this? He says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So we're not exhausted. So we're not tired. So we're not worn out. So we're not in burnout. So that we can have rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He wants to teach us how to do this thing called life. For I am gentle and humble in heart. He's not an ogre. He's not evil. He's not the angry God. He's the gentle and humble in heart God. And you will find rest for your souls. That's rest at a super deep level. That's rest, you know, your mind, your heart, your, 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 your spirit. They're all parts of your soul. What we call those things, what we call our mind, what we call our, our heart, what we call our spirit, well, those are all part of our soul. And he will give us rest for your, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I don't know about you, but that scripture, most of my Christian life, that did not describe my Christian life at all. Easy and light. And how does that, how does that happen if you're really denying yourself taking up your cross and following Jesus every day well believe it or not it does happen if we are well connected if we are taking on the yoke of Jesus and that's the key right there Jesus is inviting you inviting me into a relationship he's using the analogy of a yoke and we got to understand what that analogy means right? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Okay. We all know, or if you don't know, find out right now, a yoke is a, is, is a tool that connects two animals that are working, two animals that are plowing and they connect. Typically the most common is the ox have two oxes and, and he wants us to take his yoke and learn from him and Get trained by him, get taught by him, get shown by him, uh, help us out. And the yoke is enables us to do what we've got to do. A few things to know about yokes. Typically, it's two animals, right? Because uh, 
Two animals can actually carry more than three times the weight and carry it much longer. An animal by itself is going to wear out much quicker, not be able to carry the weight, not be able to do the work like two animals can. There's something about just being yoked with someone else, being connected to somebody else. I think a lot of times we... We, we live our life kind of visiting Jesus. We visit him in the morning when we have our quiet time. If something happens in the day, we'll pop in for a quick visit. And that's kind of how we live our life. But what he's saying is he's inviting us to be with him all the time, to be in constant connection with him. You know, and the other thing that being yoked does is it helps us to balance the workload. It helps us to f- come to a healthy balance. And, and and really live, honestly, a much healthier life. But that depends on really being yoked. And I think for a lot of us, we don't know exactly what that means. What's, what's it mean to be yoked to Jesus? Uh, practically speaking, how is that? You know, and, and, and it's got to be Jesus. And in fact, you know, the Bible even warns us about not being uneven, about being uneven in our, in our yoke, right? In fact, uh, Deuteronomy 22.10 says, that you cannot yoke an ox and an ass, uh, a, a, a donkey, a mule, because they they don't travel at the same speed. They don't have the abilities to 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 walk side by side. Of course, Paul uses this about relationships. He says, "Do not be yoked with an unbeliever, right? Because you don't you're you're not even going in the same direction in life." And that's why it is important for a single person to yoke to a single spiritual person to yoke to a single spiritual person so that you're going in the same direction and you're able to share the load in a healthy way. But basically the yoke is what enables us to work together, to work better together, and to be more than by ourselves, which is how Jesus wants you to do this thing called the Christian life, discipleship joked with him. It's a, it's an interesting thing. You know, I, I have this little exercise that I do with groups where I have them write a spiritual biography, the story of me and God, basically, from their earliest memory to, to whatever point they're writing it, and to write about all the times that God has appeared in their life. And in fact, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to send this, the, the homework assignment or the how to do a spiritual biography to the whole church so we can all uh, uh, actually do it because it's incredibly valuable. It's super encouraging, inspiring, but we learn a lot. And one of the things that always comes out when, when we debrief after spiritual biographies is people notice and they realize that, that God always seems to appear in tough times, that there's always something he does for them when they're going through difficult times. And it's it's un it's unsolicited, it's unprompted. I don't say, well, where was God when you went through tough times? It's just things that people realize. Yeah, I went through this, and God did this, and I never noticed that before. I never saw what God was doing, and 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 why? Because it's incredibly important when we're going through tough times that we realize the yoke with Jesus, because we need that. You know, when 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 whenever somebody is training a new oxen, a young oxen. What do they do? Well, they yoke them with an older oxen. And the older oxen teaches them how to walk in the straight line, right? It teaches them how to plow. And the young one learns from the older one. Same thing with the Christian life. If we're yoked with Jesus, he teaches us how to walk the straight line. And he teaches us how to live this life. 
And, and, and that's important rather than just visiting Jesus once in a while, rather than, you know, trying to go out, live your life. And I think this is, this is a lot of how I lived my Christian life. Like a lot of people, I would, I want to please the Lord. I want to do good for God. I have my quiet time. I go out and live my life. And then the next morning I meet with Jesus again and basically tell him what happened, you know, and confess any sin and, and, and ask for his help again for the next day. And it's like this cycle of visiting Jesus every once in a while, instead of walking with him, instead of being yoked with him, his whole life. A lot of my Christian growth has been learning to walk with Jesus 24, seven, eight, seven days a week. I was going to say eight days a week, seven days a week, constantly walking with Jesus. And, and, and if you have a good connection, if you have a healthy theology, this is a huge help. If you don't have a healthy theology and you don't have a good connection, that just seems like another burden. You mean I got to be with Jesus all day long? Yeah, how awesome is that? If you, if you have a good relationship with him and he can help you throughout your day, that's what being yoked is. And, 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 and he can help you with all the challenges, with all the difficulties. I've got this picture that actually right before I moved here, we were literally packing up to move here. Tian sent me this picture of him. He went out with his son on his birthday and he, he did skydiving. And what hits me about this picture, if you notice, he is strapped to a professional skydiver. So they weren't going to throw him out of a plane by himself when he doesn't know what he's doing. He is yoked to a professional skydiver. I think this is a great picture of the Christian life. It's being yoked to Jesus and doing things that you've never done before and being who you've never been before and achieving things you could have never achieved on your own. This is the Christian life. This is a picture of, of Tian being yoked with an instructor, with a professional skydiver, so that he can skydive. I think it's a good picture of what it is to be a Christian. But are you yoked? Are you strapped? Are you jumping out of planes by yourself? Are you free-falling by yourself? Or are you strapped to the Lord? That's the question. And And if you are strapped, then you know. You know how much help you get from him, right? So we get back to our scripture. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a great scripture. Now let's close out by just breaking this down here. He says, come to me. What does that mean? Well, Jesus is not here physically, right? So it's not, we can't go meet him at Starbucks or something, what we're talking about is focus. Focusing our hearts and our minds, our souls, on Jesus. Learning his life. I mean, that means that we we get to know the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We have four accounts of his life. Really knowing them. Focusing on knowing Jesus. Coming to him. Giving him our attention. Attention is the most valuable commodity today. I mean, Amazon, Google, uh, all the internet programs and, and all the social media, 
They're all fighting for your attention. They have algorithms that are designed to figure out how to hook you and get you to give them your attention. They're sending you emails. They're sending you texts. They're sending you all kinds of stuff on your phone to get your attention because they know if they've got your attention, they've got you. That's what coming to Jesus is. We give him our attention, which means we're giving him our heart. We're giving him our mind and, and, and practicing, practicing whatever he tells us. You don't really know how brilliant Jesus is until you're out there doing what he says to do and it fixes your marriage or it fixes your relationship with your kids or it fixes the, your relationship with your roommate or it fixes the troubles you have at work or at school. It's, it's in the practice of these teachings where we really see and it builds up our faith that this stuff really works. I mean, I'm a hundred percent convinced of the Bible's teachings because for 39 years I've been practicing it. Never has it been wrong. It's, it's gotten me in trouble sometimes. Trouble that Jesus warned me about. Good trouble. It's gotten me in challenging situations at times. Situations where people don't want to do what's right or they're angry and they want to do something evil and, and I oppose it. But man, has it been a blessing to my life, my marriage, my family, my friendships, my, my life in general. But we got to come to him. We can't just be part of the crowd watching Jesus walk by. We can't just be fans sitting up in the bleachers cheering him on. We have to be on the field with him. That's practice. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. You know, to some degree, the truth is that's all of us. You might not feel weary. Maybe you're listening to this going, I'm fine. I don't need this sermon. I guarantee you that you will at some point. And honestly, I think a lot of us are carrying a lot more burden than we even realize. We're not aware of it until we're snapping at people or we're grouchy or things are bothering us or we're tired or we're fatigued or we're just not happy or we're depressed or discouraged or we have all the signs of stress and burnout. And before we, a lot of times we, all that happens before we even realize, you know what? I'm weary and burdened. And then when we get weary and burdened, we think sometimes that the solution is go get entertainment or go do drugs or go find something that takes your mind off your weariness and what's burdening you. And that's not the answer. The answer is Jesus. It's to come to him. And those of us who are really hardworking, those of us who are really driven, those of us who are zealots for God or for Jesus or zealots for something else, you know what I'm talking about. And we are oftentimes the last ones to recognize our weariness or the level of burden that we're carrying around. Usually people around us notice. I'm usually, usually Michelle catches my burden way before I do. You know, she's one, she'll say, honey, what's wrong? I said, nothing. Well, you're, you're heavy sighing a lot. You're going, you know, I don't even notice it. And she catches it. She'll start asking me, what's bothering you? What's what's on your mind? What are you thinking about? And sure enough, there'll be something that I'm just really burdened about. Somebody sent me a fiery email. Somebody criticized or accused me of this. Or somebody is just angry about the church about this or that. And I don't even realize how burdened I am by that. And I'm, you know, or or sometimes I get grouchy, you know, and I'm just like, you know, Kurt answers or whatever, or I'm just seeing things negatively. And Michelle will start asking me, what's wrong? What's going on? 
What's happening? What are you thinking about? But so Jesus invites all of us who are weary and burdened. Think twice before you say that's not me. <laughs> you know, and, and maybe we're a little bit or maybe we're a whole lot, you know, but it's there. It's there in all of us, right? And he says, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. And he's not talking about you're going to get an extra 15 minute break at work. And he's not talking about he's going to create another day in the weekend. Sometimes I wish, man, I wish there was a way I could make the weekend three days every weekend, you know, or four days on the holidays, you know, wouldn't we all love to be, to be able to squeeze a day between Saturday and Sunday, pop in another day, rest day, Saturday, rest day, Sunday, but it's not going to happen. What kind of rest is he talking about? Inner rest, where you feel rested, where your heart is rested, where your mind is rested, where your body is rested, where you are emotionally rested. I mean, this is this is what he promises to give us. And it's a promise. It's not the present. I will give you this. This is what he will do. This is what Shabbat or Sabbath is all about. And that's going to be the next lesson in this series is what is Sabbath all about? This is why... God called the to give called the people of his people to give sabbatical to the land to let the land rest and recuperate after producing 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 to take care of us and this is why it is a commandment it's not a suggestion it's not just a hey here's an idea it's actually a commandment of God for that we are to rest that we are take to take time to rest. And at the heart of it is emunah, which is the word, the Hebrew word for faith, to trust God. We live in a world where we're constantly feeling like we've got to be working all the time. We've got, you know, we're uh, even as, as a country, the United States, we are the worst about vacations. Man, you go to Europe, they're all, they take a month every year and they just go hang out somewhere for a month. You know, other countries in the world. Actually, I think we're not the worst. I think Japan's worse than us. But other than Japan, I think we're the, the second worst. And and we have, most most people have a mandatory two weeks of, of vacation. But even that, a lot of people don't take it. Because they would rather make the money. And we have that that drive in us to produce, to make more money. And we would rather rest, we would rather make money than rest not realizing how much rest we need. We all need it. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you. All right. We talked a lot about the yoke in this lesson, about about learning how to be yoked with Jesus, how to share the burden. Jesus wants to share the burden with you. He wants to help you carry the load. He wants you to, to latch on with him emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally, and help and, and, and let him help you with the load of life, of roommates, of workmates, of schoolmates, of marriage, children, I mean, whatever is challenging you to learn how to let Jesus carry some of that load and how to get help from him, to have that kind of a level of relationship where where Jesus really helps me. That's that connection thing. 
That's what yada is in the Hebrew concept of yada, really knowing Jesus and Jesus really knowing us. It's why Paul, even though he'd been a Christian for many, many years, could say, I want to know Christ. I just want to know Jesus that well, where I'm getting that kind of help. And he continues, he says, learn from me, right? We've just got to be great apprentices, great disciples, right? Where we're learning. What are the challenges you went through this week? What are the challenges you're going to face next week? Are you prepared for them? Are you learning from Jesus how to handle this? What are the challenges in your relationships, in your marriage, with your roommates, with your kids, with your parents? And how could Jesus teach you? What would he teach you? What would Jesus say to you? What did he exemplify? Being that, that an apprentice, learning from Jesus in every phase of life, right? I think that the church really, I think a lot of people look at the church like a club. You know, I've said this many times where you join and then you're in, right? I think the church is much more like a dojo. You know, if you've ever studied karate or any of the martial arts, kung fu, you go to the dojo and you get trained and the instructor teaches you, shows you, and then expects you to do it and corrects you as you do it and helps you to become perfect at it, right? That's a dojo. I think that's what Jesus, following Jesus is, it's a living dojo. You you're, you learn the teaching, you watch the teaching in Jesus, you go out and you practice it and you get better and better and better and better at it. At it. How to be a person who forgives, how to be a person who's encouraging, how to be a great servant, how to love, how to, how to help people get out of trouble, how to set others free, how to, how to share God with others, something that we're going to have to talk a lot more about in the future, of how to help people, right? But these are all things that God wants to teach us, but we got to have that mentality, right? You cannot be a cup that is full because nothing else goes in. We have to recognize that we are either an empty cup or only half full, and there's a whole lot more for Jesus to put into us. He says, look, I'm gentle and humble in heart. Jesus is someone you can trust. God is trustable. And having that, that's that emuna, not right? The the faith to trust. And I say emuna, why, why? just because I'm a geek and I like Hebrew words? No, because the concept of emuna, what is translated to faith, I don't like the word faith because... People think it's just believing. And it's not. It's much more. The Hebrew understanding of faith is to trust and to obey. To trust and to be loyal. To trust and stick with. Persevere. That's what faith is. But at the heart of it is to trust. And and if your God is angry and vindictive and ready to zap you, why in the world would you trust him? You have to have that healthy theology. He says, I am gentle and humble in heart. That's how Jesus presented himself, as gentle and humble in heart. We're not afraid to talk to somebody who's gentle and humble in heart. We know that that person will listen to us because they're humble. They care about us, right? That's Jesus. You will find rest for your souls. Not only promises rest, but rest for your souls. That's That's the ability to be strengthened, to be renewed, you know, the Jeremiah 17, 5 through 10, look it up. He talks about cursed is the one who relies on themselves, who relies on their physical strength, but blessed is the one who do, who learns to rely on the Lord. Um, and then lastly, it says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think that's the one that's the most challenging, honestly, 
Because, of course, we're well aware of the challenge of discipleship. To carry your cross, to deny yourself, to be willing to suffer. And Jesus said, you will suffer for my name. You will go through many difficulties. You know, the Bible says you that you go through many challenges and suffer much just to enter the kingdom of God. So how is that easy and light? And yet it is. It all depends on if we are properly yoked with Jesus. It is with yoke with Jesus that helps us to find shalom, that 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 level of rest and peace and wholeness in your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, where you're really connected to God and you're living your life yoked with Jesus. That's shalom. And even these really hard things and challenges we face, which we all face them, God can make easier and lighten our burden with Jesus helping us. You know, and when I have to carry something heavy, I wait till my son comes home or till there's a brother dropping by because I know that by myself I can't, but with him I can. With him I can. With God, all things are possible. But you got to be yoked. Just because you believe in God doesn't mean you can do it. We've got to be yoked with Jesus. We've got to be connected to the vine. So, that's our teaching today. The light and easy yoke of Jesus. And we'll stop here and we'll continue in the next one. A study of Sabbath. Sabbath as resistance. So, shalom, peace be with you. Buen camino. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.